Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it says this, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Let me just stop right there. When he's talking about our fathers, he's talking about uh, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, talking about those Israelites that came out of Egypt into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. I really like something right here at the beginning, though. It says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Of course, he's talking to the Corinthians, and many of them are Gentiles. So these would not all be Jewish people. And yet in Christ now, who is Jesus is Jewish. He was born of Jewish descent. He is a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so when you're in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, Galatians 3, 13 and 14. But I like this. It says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, under the cloud. Now, we know that they followed the cloud and the cloud was by day. And at night, that cloud turned into a pillar of fire. But notice it just throws this in. They were under the cloud. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that God didn't only use the cloud as a sign and to lead them, but God also used the cloud to cover them from that hot Middle East desert sun. And so we wonder, man, how did they not just burn up out there out all those years out there? Well, they were under the cloud. And then at night, that cloud turned into a pillar of fire, and that kept them warm at night. So this was an air-conditioned camp with all of these people, hundreds of thousands, maybe up to two, three million people. But this was an air-conditioned camp by the power of God. Talk about amazing. Wouldn't you have liked to have seen that? And maybe the Lord will show us some kind of a video when we get to heaven. Okay, here we go. More of a brother, and I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, talking about the Red Sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, that's talking about the manna, and drank the same spiritual drink, that's talking about the water that would come out of the rock when God would supernaturally Uh, bring that just like the manna was supernatural. So the water out of the rock was supernatural. And it went on to say, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. This is a mystery here because uh, he talks about the rock from which the water came out that they drank. But he said, this rock followed them. This rock followed them. Well, I don't think necessarily the big boulder, however large it was, that they saw the water come out of more than once. I don't think that was the same boulder. And, you know, every time they'd look around as they were traveling in the desert, they'd see this boulder sneaking up behind them. I think, you know, that's more of like a cartoon. But what he's saying is, look, these were not just natural things. There was a rock that literally was following them, and that rock was Christ. In other words, Jesus pre-incarnate, incarnate means in the flesh, before he became a baby, 
in the womb of Mary and then born in Bethlehem, Jesus has existed for eternity past, like John says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made through him. See, so Jesus was there with them, even out in the wilderness, and he was following them. In fact, I believe that it was Jesus specifically, the second person of the Godhead that was there in the tabernacle with them out in the desert. And so that's another study that we could uh, look at another time. We, we look at it in our Operation Solid Lives teaching in the first level, but let's go on now. It goes on to say in, let's see, verse 5, but with most of them, talking about the Israelites, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. In other words, they died. Why? Because of unbelief, because of not obeying God, because of complaining. So notice he goes on to say, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. We should learn from them not to just follow the cravings of our bodies and of our hearts and of our minds, but instead to follow the ways of the Lord. Verse 7, And do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell over sexual immorality. And so some of these things, you know, we have in our society, idolatry, like the love of money, and we put money ahead of God. Instead of obeying God, we obey money. We follow money, whatever it, it takes to get more money or to keep our money. We do it even if God says to do something different, like, for example, to tithe or to give to others, the poor and such. And so he's saying, don't do that and uh, don't commit sexual immorality because we see in the Old Testament God's judgment on that. We may see a delayed judgment today and misinterpret that delayed judgment to think that it's not that big of a deal. We're in the New Testament. We can go ahead and sin and commit these uh, idolatries and these immoralities today. And uh, the Bible in the New Testament here is saying, oh, no, 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 no. Yes, we're saved by grace, but we're saved to obey. We're not saved to disobey. And so he's saying, let's use what happened as an example. And so he goes on to say, verse 9, Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. And you remember this. Uh, this is a whole, he's rehearsing some of the scenarios that happened there when the people were bit. But all of this was because of their disobedience. Look at verse 10. You would think this is not in the same category, but God puts it in the same category. He says, nor complain as some of them also complained. We don't realize our complaining. Here, God has been so good to us. Jesus came and gave his life. He died for us. He, he has given everything that we might have eternal life. And then when things don't go just right for us, when we feel like, uh, oh man, this didn't happen or that didn't happen, uh, or God didn't answer our prayer soon enough, then we start complaining as if God's mistreating us or something. And uh, he's not mistreating us. And so it says, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Notice complaining and really, this is persistent complaining. This wasn't just they complained one time. This is persistent complaining. 
And it says they ended up being destroyed by the destroyer. What does that mean? Their complaining removed the protection of God around them. Oh, I don't want that. No, I know you don't want that either. So Lord, forgive us for complaining. We don't want to complain. We want to give thanks. And so it goes on to say in verse 11, now all these things happen to them as examples. In other words, these things happen and they're documented in Scripture so that we could read them and not fall into the same traps and disobedient acts. Now all these things happen to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age, ages, excuse me, have come. So admonition is... Uh, an admonishment is, uh, it, it's an encouragement, but it's stronger than an encouragement. It's a directive. It's a instructional. And it's like, here, you need to do this. It's, it's almost like a correction, even in advance sometimes. It's an admonishment. And so it goes on to say, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. This is a key little verse. Let him who thinks he stands. In other words, you may think, hey, I got this. Oh, I've been a believer a long time and such. He said, let him who thinks he stands take heed. In other words, go back and check. Are you complaining? Are you committing any sexual immorality? Are you committing any idolatry? Are any of these sins that were committed with Israel happening inside of you? Take heed lest you fall, even if you think you stand, even if you think you've got it all under control. The enemy is very slick, and he sets us up so that he can knock us down. So it says, uh, let him take heed lest he fall. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with a temptation... But excuse me, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's a mouthful of a verse. But let's look at it piece by piece. No temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. In other words, you're not being tempted with anything that other human beings are uh, not being tempted with. If you're being tempted, other people, you're not having some special temptation that nobody else has. No, it's common to man. The enemy uses the same temptations, the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, as First John tells us, uh, to tempt all of us. So everybody is getting the same kinds of temptations. But God is faithful, who will not allow you be, to be tempted beyond what you're able. In other words, regardless of what temptation you're being tempted with, you are able to withstand it. You are able to avoid it. You are able. God never allows us to be tempted uh, in a way that we did not have the ability to properly respond and defend ourselves. Notice it says, but God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also, also, don't you wish he would have said instead of, a temptation, make a way of escape. No, it says also. So in other words, you have door number one and door number two. Door number one is the temptation. But God makes a door number two. And by the Holy Spirit, this is what he does. He's so precious to do it down inside. He hints and he speaks or he gives you a sense of what you do to avoid that temptation. Sometimes it's just to open your mouth and say, no, I cast that down as we'll learn in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
I cast that down in Jesus' name. No, I, I resist that. No, I'm not giving place to that. No, I'm going to be obedient. Sometimes it's just removing yourself like Joseph with Potiphar's wife. He just ran. The Bible says, flee youthful lust. He fled because he's a, he's a human being. He's a man. And it wasn't that he wasn't tempted. He fled. He knew it was wrong. See, so God will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, you may be able to get through that season of temptation without giving into it. And so thank God that he gives us door number two, run through door number two, whatever that means, speaking, confronting in Jesus' name, getting out of there, moving where you are, etc. Verse 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. See, here's the fleeing. This is what he's talking about. Flee from idolatry. Once you recognize it, once you realize, oh man, I'm giving place to the love of money. Oh man, I'm overworking. I'm not spending any time in God's word, spending any time with God's people. Like the Bible says to, I'm not tithing. I'm not giving. I'm doing everything to get more money and to make money or to keep money or whatever. See, and so... Uh, and, and of course, idolatry is more than money. Idolatry could be a girlfriend or a boyfriend or women or men or etc. Cars, houses, what fame, idolatry. It's what you serve instead of God. It's what you obey instead of the Lord. And he says, flee idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge yourselves what I say. I speak as to wise men, judge yourselves what I say. Judge for yourself, excuse me, judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And we're going to get into that in the next chapter. Is not this cup that we bless the communion with the blood of Christ? Well, yes, it is. The bread which we break, is it not the communion or the fellowship of the body of Christ? Well, yes, it is. For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. We're all part of the body of Christ, we that are believers. Observe Israel, verse 18 says, after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idols, uh, that an idols is anything? Or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. So he's saying, look, when you're sacrificing, when somebody sacrificed something to an idol, is that really anything? He said, what they don't realize, though, is behind those idols, those statues of gold or silver or wood or whatever it is, stone, that behind those are demons, demons. Uh, there, there are only two kingdoms. <laughs> there's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of darkness. And in the kingdom of darkness, it's ruled by Satan and all the demonic forces. So anything you worship other than the creator God and his son Jesus who saved us is all part of the kingdom of darkness. So you'll be worshiping, in essence, Satan and the demonic. Verse 21, you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. He's saying you, you can't do both. You're, you have to make a decision. Who are you going to serve? And so don't come to church and receive communion, then go out and live for the kingdom of darkness because you can't live in both kingdoms. 
You can't. You have to be in one kingdom or the other. Or do not provoke the Lord to jealousy. Are we stronger than he? Why is God jealous? Because he knows if we try to two-time him, we're going to end up going to hell. And he's jealous on our behalf. He loves us. He wants us for himself that we might be saved and protected and delivered. He knows nobody will take care of us like him. All things are lawful for me, for me, but not all things are helpful. He said that before. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but let each the each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the market, in the meat market, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. He's saying if you don't ask any questions, then it doesn't weigh on your conscience and you just don't have to worry about the idols because, you know, you didn't offer it to any idol and God made it anyway. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you, for the conscience and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Conscience sake, I say, not for your own, but that of the other. In other words, he's saying, if it doesn't bother you because you think, hey, God made this, this is, I'm eating it unto the Lord. He said, that's not your conscience. But since the other person told you about it, now you have to be sensitive as a brother in love for the other person's conscience. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And so Paul is talking once again about something that we talked about in the eighth chapter, mostly, and that is that Look, when you're living as a believer in the Lord, you not only live with faith unto God based on what you believe toward him, but we we live by love. And God doesn't want us to throw any stumbling block in front of another brother or sister that makes them stumble. So again, we may think, yeah, I can do this. I can watch this kind of movie. I can listen to this kind of music or whatever. I can drink maybe alcohol. Some believers, you know, do that. And God is saying, now you have to remember, though, it's not only your conscience, but it's the conscience of somebody else. And you could be exercising your liberty, but while doing so, tripping somebody else up and causing them to stumble, maybe even go back into an addiction and a bondage. And Paul's saying, look, we don't want to do that. We want to walk in love just like Jesus laid his life down and gave up his preferences for us. We also lay our lives down and give up our preferences for one another, to be just like him. All right, well, that's chapter 10. I look forward to tomorrow, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. 
We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.